1: Welcome to the DFS Podcast Friday edition for this weekend's NFL games. Hi there, football fans. I'm Paul Bruno, and I invite you to follow me, as always, at Statsman22. Joining me, as usual, is John McKechnie, who's a busy guy and a great follow, at Johnny McKex. Uh, John, as this is our last show before Christmas, we want to inform our listeners that Rotowire will be posting the next daily uh, NFL DFS podcast next Wednesday. There will be no shows of this this variety variety on monday or tuesday owing to the holiday break break. so So we'll hope that that you all tune in on wednesday Wednesday. i'll I'll be be back on the air with james seltzer Seltzer, covering uh, some of the positions i don't know if we're going to do multiple positions but it should be a pretty packed show since we're missing two days in any case we'll have the usual plan today for our friday pod and look forward to getting back to this week's storylines and our respective fan duel lineups first though i want to know how my partner has got his plans lined up for the holidays john where are you and what's up
2: I am, uh, I'm back in Maryland right now. Uh, very good to be home, as always. I made it to the Ravens versus Eagles game this past weekend. Uh, that was a bit more of a nail-biter than I was anticipating. But, uh, you know, that, that defense just needs to understand that sometimes a, a team will run a misdirection and you need to adjust a little bit. So that was a little bit concerning with, with Le'Veon Bell coming up this weekend. But good time overall and uh, looking forward to the Christmas holiday this weekend, I know that uh, I know that the Ravens and Steelers are, are on are on Christmas Day itself, so that, that kind of adds like a, a level of stress to my Christmas that I wasn't anticipating, but you know, here we are.
1: Well, and you know, for me, I'm, I'm at home, we've got family coming, and we're gonna be visiting my brother's ha- house first on Christmas Eve, so it's back and forth, very local for me, so not too much travel miles, and very stress-free in terms of the football too, because my Cowboys clinched the conference with last night's result, which we will get into shortly. Uh, you know, John, it's Friday. That means we get to put a bow on roto weekly series of position-based pods, where we take a look at the kicker positions today and then come up with our best recommendations for full lineups as you and I share our top picks at each position. These choices will make up our FanDuel rosters for this week's games. But first, let's take a look at that last night's tilt. What were your impressions of the Giants and the Eagles?
2: Well, I think you know, kind of, kind of, to your point about our, our old buddy James Seltzer there. I'm sure that he was pretty excited about about what all went down l- last night. You know, like that, like you said, uh, a divisional game can kind of can kind of take the records out of things and and, and change the comp- complexion of a game. So you know, the Giants were were you know they were hot coming into this game, but they, they didn't have Janoris Jenkins. I think that hurt them as far as their pass defense was concerned and they, they came out a little bit flat in my opinion. Uh and that, that just kind of allowed the Eagles to to go ahead and, and uh, capture the upset win. What did you think about it?
1: Well I have lots to say about this game. Finally we got a competitive game for a change on Thursday night, one of the few times all season, John. The Giants, as you said, were expecting to waltz in and pick up pick all over the Eagles carcass, but the division rivals had other ideas, didn't they? i've been yeah. wait, i've been waiting for a few weeks for eli to throw some picks and he had a three three of them last night you know but that will happen when you uh, when you have 63 balls going in the air and i know that one of the pick six a key play in the game was by former cowboy michael jenkins who took it into the house for a, t- a touchdown that the that the giants never really recovered from but um, right. you know the, the, the giants were expecting to win they had been on quite a roll And Eli Eli did throw 63 times for 356 yards and a TD. So So the FanDuel points points were sure there in the the end, but but Big Blue even averaged over four yards per per carry. So all the the offensive offensive numbers were in their favor, it's just that the final score was not. So from a FanDuel standpoint, there was was lots to like in the Giants' repertoire, including... Uh, of course course, the quarterback's night but then Odell Beckham 11 grabs grabs for 153 yards yards. Victor Victor Cruz Cruz even he was was priced very low I think below $5,000 and he he rewarded his buyers with eight catches for 81 yards yards. Sterling Sterling Shepard seven seven for 61 and a TD the on the the Eagles side side, you know if you you just looked at the stats here John you would have thought they got got drilled because Wentz only had 152 yards in passing Sproles had 63 yards in total offense and beyond that you know Aguilar's caught a touchdown pass but uh the offensive stats here favored the giants by miles but that early pick six made them play catch-up all night and at the end of the day that was all she wrote indeed uh let's look around the league john with some of the headlines first of all following that thursday night tilt it means the cowboys have clinched the number one seed in the nfc of course i'm happy about that but it also means that games against detroit and philly don't mean a thing for them i see romo playing at least one of those games probably the last one is this a good thing to clinch so early and have that quarterback controversy fueled? Or can they just frame it as resting the key players at this stage?
2: I think it, go, I think it goes both ways. I think you can definitely frame it as resting your players, but it, I think there, there's a rub to it where um, I, I just think it's a little bit hubris to, to just sort of sit your players, especially with two games to go. Um, I think that that can kind of take... Take whatever momentum that you that you had uh, it, during the season and kind of like takes it out because obviously you're going to be missing another week once the playoffs begin uh, due to the bye. So I, I just I worry about taking your foot off the gas. I think that, you know, I think a lot of people tend to tend to think the momentum isn't a thing in football, but I, I tend to believe that it is, especially in, in a case with, uh, with the playoffs concerned. Uh, So I would be worried about about taking your foot off the gas and putting in Romo. I know that that would create an extra headache for you. Um, I I think the Dak should should play throughout. I I mean, I understand sitting in maybe like the second half of Week 17, but... Beyond that, I, I would be worried about just kind of sitting everybody.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, on the plus side, they are looking at getting a guy like Greg Hardy finally back into their pass past, uh, rush, so they could be a little stronger. And uh, Gregory, too, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. So there's a couple of guys that, that look like they could be getting healthy there, and... and it, it might be interesting to see, see what this team looks look like, like as they get into the playoff, playoff mode, but, but I, like you, express a little bit of nervousness, nervousness for them if they, they do, do put, take the, the foot off the gas. I think it's, it's hard, hard to or stop and start the in the NFL. NFL. And so, and so I'd, so I'd like, like, to like to see them just, just continue to run rough shot and maybe go 14-2 and finish the season on a high. But let's look at another couple of situations. John Goff in Los Angeles, he's had an iffy rookie campaign and he's just come through concussion protocol And yet he's slated the start against the 49ers this week. I'm not really crazy about this decision, but wonder what you think about putting in a high draft pick who uh, a lot of the future hopes are pinned on this guy, and he's just clearing concussion protocol. What do you think? Well, I
2: think if he's healthy, you need to play him. You know, obviously, we we got a new coaching regime out there in L.A. now. Uh, Obviously, it's not going to be permanent, whatever they have right there. Uh, right now, but I think it's important for him to just gain the experience, and I think this is a relatively favorable matchup for him uh, going against the 49ers, who are about as big of a train wreck as the as the Rams themselves here. So, I think this could be a game where where Golf can kind of come out, build a little bit of confidence here, because I, I just don't think that the Niners uh, <clears throat> are particularly you know adept at, at staying in games here these days, especially. So, I think that. Playing golf, if he is healthy, I, I think it, it's a worthwhile endeavor just just to get him the, the requisite reps, you know, kind of build his confidence heading into year two. Obviously, like you said, he's had a shaky uh, go of it thus far this year, but you know, that's that's really not uncommon for rookies. I, I think Dak Prescott is the exception to the rule as opposed to the rule. You know, it, I, I just don't think that rookie quarterbacks tend to tend to fare particularly well in this league. So I, I'm, I'm willing to stick with golf here, and I, I think it's a, probably a fine decision to, to keep him in there and keep him starting.
1: Now, John, the last couple of weeks I've asked you uh, which games will you be kind of interested in watching. I have a feeling that one of them really is going to catch your a- attention, so why don't we kick off the discussion with that game, and then also with any others that might catch your fancy, and I'll counter with, counter with mine.
2: Yeah, My my main one is definitely the Ravens versus Steelers. I mean, this is a game where uh, both teams really need this one, and we haven't really seen that in recent years. We, we've kind of had situations where the Steelers are up and the Ravens are down, or vice versa. So this is one that that's sort of for all the marbles, and I don't think the Ravens can... They have a very slim hope of making the playoffs if they don't win the division, so this is a very pivotal game for them. And as always, you know, the Ravens versus Steelers is always a very physical matchup, uh, so the fact that we get treated to it on national TV on Christmas Day, uh, I'm very excited about that. I think it's going to be a smash-off game, uh, you know, no holds barred. And I'm really looking forward to that one. I think that that one's the main one that I have highlighted uh, for this week.
1: Yeah, I, I think Black, Flacco's got a real good recent history against the Steelers, so you got that going for for you. And I, I think Ben, uh, Big Ben, has looked a little shaky. in parts of the second half of the season so I'm leaning in in Baltimore's direction but for me there's a couple of other tilts that grab my attention Uh, one of which is Minnesota and Green Bay of course the annual central division tilts late in the season tend to decide that division and and there's a few that are happening in the next couple weeks that should tell the tale there. I'm curious to know where you stand on that but I think Green Bay's found something in their running game which I'll be talking about as one of my picks actually later on that may give them the advantage here and then of course in the later game I'm looking at Denver and KC another divisional matchup with that ferocious Denver defense carrying this team further than I thought they would go this year and remaining in contention in this division uh, Kansas City Chiefs are no slouch either. So I'm looking at this one as a bit of a coin flip. How do you feel about both of these games?
2: Um, I, I just think that, that Minnesota, unfortunately, they, they're just literally too banged up to really do anything at this point. Obviously, they just got kind of stomped by by an Indianapolis team that I, I did not find particularly imposing uh, last week. They really got it taken to them at home. So I think Green Bay, with their eyes on the prize of potentially uh, Sneaking in to to capture that division title, I don't I don't see where Green Bay loses this one, especially at home. And then uh, looking at that Denver KC game, uh, obviously we were treated to a classic uh, when they played last time a, a few Sunday nights ago. Um, I think we're looking at a game where. It's very tough for a young quarterback to, to win an arrowhead, especially at night in December. So I, I think that Kansas City, I give them the edge here just based on quarterback play. And I know that's kind of weird to say when, when Alex Smith is the quarterback that I'm giving the lean to. But in this scenario, I like him a lot more than I like Simeon. And I know that Denver defense is great and all, but Kansas City is, is, is almost as good. And I, I think that Simeon struggles, and I think that, Uh, Kansas City is going to be able to reel off just enough big plays with with that Tyreek Hill guy uh, to where I I think that they will uh, go ahead and get the win there and and put themselves in in really prime position heading into January.
1: Yeah, I think the home team is favored in my books to win both games and and it's a huge advantage this time of year, particularly as both should be cold weather affairs. Uh, John, as I said in the opening, let's uh, go through our weekly show cycle and take a look at the kicker values on the board you've highlighted four guys that are over five thousand dollars in price uh, price tags they're all big names and some of them have really good looking matchups to my, in my opinion are there any that you'll be you'd be leaning on in uh, one, your, one or two of your lineups this week
2: i think you know fanduel has adjusted the pricing accordingly to where uh, any of these guys you ha- you do have to pay up for them but i think they're all pretty much automatic picks. we got justin tucker checking in at uh, 5300 going to pittsburgh <clears throat> Uh, we got Matt Bryant checking in at 5,200, going to Carolina. Obviously, weather's not a concern there. Particularly, uh, Adam Vinatieri, 5,100 against Oakland, and Janikowski uh, on the other side of that equation at 5,000, going against Indianapolis at home. So I, I really couldn't fault anyone for using any of these guys. I think, <clears throat> sorry, um, I think Tucker's price is a bit high for for my liking. I know that he's kind of matchup proof. But Pittsburgh is just a, a tricky place to kick, even if you're as good as Justin Tucker. So I'm probably laying off of this top tier and probably trying to to adjust to a, a lower price tag here.
1: Well, let's take a look at that uh, mid-range uh, area, 4600 to 4900. There's about seven guys in there, including Guskowski, which I'm surprised is is uh, priced as low as he is. I'll be honest. Uh, Will Lutz is another interesting pick and certainly Boswell on the other side of that Baltimore game. But uh, do you like any of the guys in this range or over others?
2: Um, I I would just like to point out a couple of guys that that I don't like particularly. I I think Boswell last week with with his what, like six field goals. I think that that's a complete aberration for a guy like him. And and like I said, uh, Pittsburgh is a very tricky place to kick this time of year. You know, especially if Pittsburgh's facing the open end of that stadium, the wind's whipping around. I don't think that Boswell really has the leg that that a guy like Justin Tucker does, so I'm probably laying off of him. I think his price jumped up because of how well he did last week, but I I don't trust him. I think the guy I trust the most from this tier is probably Steven Hauschka at 4,800, going against Arizona um, at home. I think that Hauschka is pretty much an automatic guy at this point, and I think that Arizona's defense is good enough to, to where they can probably stall out a few Seattle drives here, so I think that... Hauska might get, you know, like three field goal attempts. I, I trust him to hit all three of those, and then, you know, whatever extra points come in. So I'm looking at double digits here for from Hauska, and I think I'm going to roll with him out of this tier.
1: All right, and then in the 4,500 and under, I found a few guys in here that I could pick, and in fact, I do did choose one of them. I'm going to save that until I hear from you. And uh, who do you like in this tier? And then ultimately, uh, I'll ask you about your pick uh, on the official FanDuel lineup. Under your name, John.
2: Um, I I would say from this tier, I mean, we we got guys like Andrew Franks uh, of Miami, Connor Barth of Chicago, Aguayo, Jason Myers, uh, Nick Folk. But I think Phil Dawson, if you're going the minimum price, um, I think that uh, the Rams defense has been soft enough of late to where San Francisco should be able to move the ball at least a little bit on them. And Phil Dawson, you know, he, he's a guy that, that can kick, can make a kick from almost anywhere as long as uh, the Niners get into field goal range. And I just trust that they will. Um, and obviously weather's not going to be a factor in L.A., at least I don't believe. Although, we, you know, uh, if you were watching the bowl game the other night in San Diego, it was pouring rain. So may, maybe maybe we'd see some rain in L.A. I don't know. but. I think phil dawson of the minimum price guys if, if you really are strapped and need to just kind of get that minimum price guy at kicker uh phil dawson would be my pick there
1: all right and who is your pick for the your official fan duel uh, lineup john
2: um i I'm, I'm gonna lean on Hauschka. i really do believe that that he's uh he's got about as high as of a floor as as we see amongst these kind of mid-price kickers um and the, the, you know that's sort of what i tend to target i, I usually try to not pay up too much for my for my kickers unless i have some extra cash left over so i think how uh, just a very safe play kicking at home uh, i i just see i just see where he can he can hit three field goals get a couple extra points and, and you know get hit value for you uh you know pretty easily
1: well and and i'm going to counter that with my pick i went to the bottom of the tiers here and found josh lambo of san diego at cleveland for forty five hundred dollars I don't understand this price tag, I'll say that. I look at this mismatch against the winless no, no. Browns, figuring that the kicker will definitely hit the scoreboard regularly and take some savings to spend elsewhere in my lineup. This is a no-brainer for me, John, with no plausible downside. You talk about a high floor. I think the, high, the floor is really high. Might be on the second or third floor uh, with a pick like Josh Lambeau against the, low, well, the, the, low, the lowly Browns. So I'm happy to spend only the minimum here and uh, take, take advantage of that and spend elsewhere. Let's take a moment, you and I, to remind our listeners about FanDuel, John. Where are fantasy football fans. You have all the victory every Sunday with FanDuel. Fantasy football for everyday fans. There's new contests starting every week. There's no busted seasons. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. New this year, there's an upgraded experience that we've enjoyed. You get even more contest variety. Try beginner contests for new players only. Settle a score with a friend in a head-to-head deal. Try a 50-50 contest where the top half win cash. Play in larger tournaments for even more excitement. Play for a dollar. There's choices for every budget. In addition, we talk about our experiences every week. And uh, John, yours was happier than mine last week. I'm sad to report that I lost my Wire Vegas League semifinal, leaving a couple of players on my bench instead of earning fewer points from a couple of poor starter decisions that cost me the victory and advancing to the final. And all the bragging rights that come with it at headquarters <laughs> happily though we still have other Fanduel contests and i gotta note that you fared very well in the staff's weekly free roll didn't you tell us about your experience
2: yeah i you know last week i really went uh for the high price as far as the running backs were concerned I, you remember I, I stacked david johnson Le'Veon bell i only got about 40 points out of that combo um, but some of my other value plays really panned out. Aldrick Robinson, uh, he was, like you said last week, he was sort of the key to my lineup. And uh, he showed up with 13 points. Michael Crabtree had that incredible catch in the end zone. Uh, so he ended up with 15 points out of, uh, you know, from a 6,000 price range. Uh, so I, I really kind of I lucked out uh, with, with some of those value plays while, while also kind of st- stacking heavily on those running backs. But I was still able to come out. Uh, and finished, like, uh, I believe, fifth in our uh, expert contest, so I was pretty happy about that one.
1: And that gets you some more money to play in subsequent weeks, John, and I know you will. We're, all, we're still both engaged by the FanDuel format because it offers a clean slate every week for everybody. And that's fun and entertaining for me. I, I know you feel the same way. And we invite our listeners to have fun with all that fantasy football has to offer at FanDuel. Be sports rich. There's a special offer for new users where you get a free 6-month Rotowire subscription with a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to fanduel.com/rw. Not only will you get the free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play with on FanDuel. That's over $40 in value for just 10 bucks. Go to fanduel.com/rw. All right, John, it's time for the rest of our FanDuel lineups. Who do you have at quarterback?
2: I'm going to go with uh, Matt Ryan this week. He's checking in at 8100 Going on the road to Carolina, so I, I think that on paper that seems like an intimidating matchup. But frankly, I don't find the Carolina pass defense to be really what it was, especially without Josh Norman. And if they keep Keekley out, then you know that opens up the middle of the field. I know that uh, Austin Hooper, the the tight end for for the Falcons, is probably out. Um, but I I think that that really helps the the passing game as far as the running backs are concerned. A guy like Devontae Freeman or Tevin Coleman here. So at 8100. Uh, I really like Matt Ryan's chances against that secondary, and I think Julio Jones is coming back too. That never hurts. So I, I think this is, a, this is a situation where uh, the Panthers might try to play spoiler here, but I think the Falcons uh, at this point of the season have a little bit too much firepower going, and I think that uh, Matt Ryan is going gonna, is gonna to put up uh, some nice numbers here.
1: John, I'm going to counter but with my quarterback coming from the Indian-Oakland game, and listeners will say, well, who do you got? Because both of these guys are facing very poor pass defenses. I, I will say that uh, this matchup clearly favors both high-octane offenses against some of the worst pass defenses in the entire league in what ought to be uh, good field conditions, and uh, that has to be a consideration this time of the year. I choose Luck over Carr just because he's been so consistent, throwing for over 250 yards and two TDs in six of his last seven games. He'll put the ball in the air a lot in this key battle with plenty of playoff implications, and I'm happy to take my chances at this price tag on one of the better gunslingers in the league against that porous Raiders pass defense. Your running backs. Who are you ta- who's your tandem? In? Uh, let's
2: see. Before I get into my running backs, I, I really do like the the luck pick. I, I think tar- targeting that game is, is going to be uh, very very crucial to a lot to a lot of lineups, especially tournament lineups, uh, because the the projected over under is pretty high there. So I do like that pick. I like getting action on that one. Um, but as far as my running backs are concerned, I'm gonna go with David Johnson starting off, uh, 8,700. So that that is expensive, but it, it's about an 1,100 uh, price break from from where he was last week. So I really, I think I'll take any any time I can get David Johnson under 9,000. I have to lock him in uh, because he, you know, he's almost a lock to get over 20 touches in any given game, especially a tough game like this one against Seattle. Uh, Seattle is not going to have Earl Thomas, as as we've noted throughout the last couple weeks, so that, that sort of hurts their run support a little bit. They're, they're not able to stack the box as well without him, and I think that David Johnson also sees so many targets out of the backfield, too, so I, I don't think that Seattle really has a guy that can cover him coming out of the backfield like that, so at 8,700... Uh, I, I really feel like the, the floor is pretty high there for David Johnson. I think, I think he'll be able to see the requisite touches to, to make it work there, even against a tough matchup here. And then uh, my second running back is, is Jordan Howard, checking in at 7,200. Washington is just terrible against the run. I, I mean, we saw it this past week uh, with, with the Carolina game, you know, where Jonathan Stewart, uh, who's been a pretty big disappointment throughout the season, he was able to kind of run roughshod over them, a lot of chunk yardage, that he was picking up. And I think Jordan Howard is running the ball about as well as any other running back in the league at this moment. Um, so he hasn't had less than 75 yards on the ground since October 20th. So that's, a, that's a pretty nice streak he's got going on. And he's also capable out of the backfield as a pass catcher. And as we know, uh FanDuel with the half point PPR, that's always just a little added bonus when you can get some catches out of your running back. Uh, and he really looked really good against a, 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 a uh, Green Bay run defense, that it, it is certainly no slouch. So I think that this is a downgrade as far as the matchup goes. He's got a really favorable one here, and I think that he's going to be able to to uh, put up huge numbers here.
1: Well, let's see. You talked about favorable matchups. You talked about running backs that can catch the ball out of the backfield. I guess I, guess I was listening listening telepathically to your preparation, John, because the two guys that I picked fit that description to a tee. Perhaps no, no one more than DeMarco Murray of Tennessee. He gets a soft matchup against a terrible Jacksonville team, pricing him. At $8,300 is a bargain, in my opinion. He's been the centerpiece of an underrated offense all year long, and he ranks second in the entire league in rushing yardage and has added 50 receptions in the passing game. He gets that favorable matchup against a horrible Jaguars-run defense, and while they're tough against the pass, I see Murray get an extra amount of work on the ground in this key game for the Titans, so I really like him in this matchup. And then I'll pair him with Ty Montgomery of the Packers, versus Minnesota you talked about how Minnesota is flagging a little bit as we get near the finish line his price tag is only $6,300 but what we've seen over the past few weeks is Montgomery a converted wide receiver has moved into the backfield and taken a load from Rogers shoulders in the offense for Green Bay and their uh, one-time dependence on the passing game he's coming off a huge game last week and should be used just more just because of the weakness of the vikes run defense we know how good they are against the pass, so i could see uh, running uh, more running attempts by montgomery and uh, if he approaches last year's uh, last week's uh, yardage total of over 130 or 140 yards if i remember correctly i'll be very happy with that at this price tag definitely uh john your three wide receivers
2: Um, I'm going to go. I'm starting off with a bit of an expensive guy here. Uh, I'm going to go with Antonio Brown checking in at 8,300. So definitely uh, a little bit of the one of the pricier uh, receivers that we have on the board here. But I really like his matchup. Uh, I don't think the Ravens are going to have Jimmy Smith. I think the Ravens are going to load up to to stop Le'Veon Bell. So I I think that Brown is going to see, you know, 12 to 15 targets here. And I think that he's definitely going to be able to capitalize on them, probably burn the Ravens deep downfield because, I mean, they're, they're going to stick either Sharice Wright or Tavon Young on him. Sharice Wright just uh, hasn't had a particularly good season. And Tavon Young, for how, for how good of a rookie season he's had, he's just a smaller player. He's only five nine. I think Antonio Brown should be able to dominate him physically if they line up against each other. So I think Brown at 8,300 uh, is a no-brainer here. And then uh, Julian Edelman uh, checking in at 6,700. Uh, going against the, the Jets' pass defense, it just really isn't what it once was. I, th- I think one of the bigger storylines of this entire season has been uh, the demise of of, uh, of Darrell Rivas. Revis, and it, it, you know it's been unfortunate, obviously. But uh, I think this is a, this is a scenario where the Patriots t- uh, will capitalize. I know we talked earlier about keeping your foot on the gas even if you have things kind of wrapped up. I think the Patriots are one of those teams that always keeps their foot on the gas no matter what. Um, Edelman has seen nine plus targets in six straight games, including five straight and double digit targets. Uh, so I, I expect that trend to continue. And I think he's going to uh, be able to, to have a really high catch total. And he's probably going to burn uh, the Jets for at least one score here. So I like him at 6,700. And then going down uh, a little bit, uh, 6,500 for Demarius Thomas. I really just like this tier of receivers. This, this tier of receivers, you know, you, you got guys like Fitzgerald Hopkins, Devontae Adams. Uh, all really not, uh, you know, good players at, at a discounted price tag here, but Thomas is probably my favorite here. I know that uh, the matchup kind of dictates uh, to where people might avoid the, the, the Denver passing attack because of how strong that Kansas City secondary is, but uh, Thomas just sees so many targets, and I think that's just such a that's such a discounted price for a guy that has the upside of Demarius Thomas here. Uh, so I, I know he hasn't scored a touchdown in a couple weeks, but I I, I still think that he's going to see the requisite volume to where he pays off at, at just 6500
1: John, I love the fact that you lean on two guys that I seem to pick every other week in Edelman and Thomas. I stayed away from both of them, but I could certainly see your case for each of these guys priced so so nicely and they could each go off, but I countered with three other guys who fit that profile in a similar way and I looked at, leaned on the fact that they all have very poor pass defenses that they'll be facing this week. So I took the number one guy in, in three different uh, teams that are facing these three poorest pass defenses, and I still wound up not having to pay more than 7,600 for any of them. That 7,600 went to T.Y. Ty, Ty Hilton of the, of the Colts against the Raiders. In, uh, as I said, in each of my receiver plays, I took the top receiver against the trio of bottom, bottom-feeding pass defenses, beginning, beginning with Hilton, who I'm pairing with my quarterback, Play, play this, this weekend. weekend. That, that seems CTO. to be a, uh, one of the one things, one things that, that, that the top, top, the top, top finishers seem to do on a weekly, weekly basis. basis. They, they find, find that hot, hot quarterback, quarterback wide receiver tandem that really pays big and I'm counting on these two to do it for me. I'll I'll follow that up with Brandon Cooks of New Orleans against Tampa for $7,100. We all saw what Drew Brees did last week and his favorite target is facing that another poor pass defense in Tampa. I think they ranked 21st in the league. I'm counting on the veteran pivot to fill the air once again as the Saints have very little else to play for other than to pad. his lifetime stats and I think that Cooks will be on the end of enough of those to get uh, double digits in uh, FanDuel points easily this week. And finally, I'm picking Terrell Williams of San Diego against that Cleveland Browns team that is really hopeless on all counts. I've been looking at all the receivers who face the dreadful Browns in the recent weeks, and I'm pretty happy with their output. So I get the top uh, Chargers wide out and, uh, at less than seven grand in this lopsided matchup. To me, that smells like a big bargain. like that. I- You're tight end, John.
2: I'm going to go a little bit cheaper for my tight end this week, and this is a bit of a, of a tournament play. Um, but I think Dennis Pitta checking in at 4,700 uh, against Pittsburgh is is definitely worth a look. Um, you know, this is a situation where Pitta has shown that that he he catches almost everything that's thrown his way. It's really just a matter of the Ravens' offense uh, kind of. Uh, getting itself in gear here and, and using the tight ends in the passing game I know that Crockett Gilmore might be back but I don't think that necessarily eats into Dennis Pitta's targets per se um, I think this is really just a matter of uh, the Ravens pass or play calling this past week where, where Dennis Pitta only saw two targets uh, I think that gets adjusted this week and I think we're gonna see Pitta you know get get like seven to eight targets and uh, I think we might see some red zone ones at that point because he is probably the, their best red zone threat. Um, so I, I like Pitta at 4700 just sort of a, a bit of a price break, a little bit risky because uh, that that Ravens offense tends to be a little bit unpredictable as far as the target volume is concerned. But I think Pitta uh, has the matchup here where, where he should be, where the Ravens are going to be targeting him a decent bit, and I think he pays off at 4700
1: I, I paid up about $900 from your guy, to, but you can apply the same pros that you just said to Cameron Brate of the Buccaneers against New Orleans I talked already about that suspect pass defense it's worse than suspect it's terrible Uh, I have to pick Braid against that secondary for his part he leads all tight ends with seven scores and it has at least four grabs in each of the past four weeks I think he tops that average easily in this matchup and I think I'm expecting him to be one of my big payoffs this week to be honest with you and then John to finish it up your defensive choice here uh, before I get into my defense, do
2: love the Cameron Brake play. If I if I have enough money when it, when I'm making another lineup, I'm definitely going to try to squeeze him in. I think that matchup is really tough to avoid at this point, uh, and brake has been excellent uh, in recent weeks. Uh, really, one of the better tight end stories of this entire season. Um, but as far as my defense is concerned, this one's a little bit off the wall, but I think the matchup uh, is worth it. I think you know th- this sort of applies to the season long. <laughs> concept of streaming a defense. I think San Francisco at 4,600, I know I sort of bashed their defense, and rightfully so, a few earlier in the show here, but Los Angeles' offense is, is just so abysmal. They're just completely lost. I mean, Todd Gurley himself said that it, it basically felt like a middle school offense, and I don't think he was particularly wrong in that in that case. So I think San Francisco should be able to bottle up uh, the, this Los Angeles offense. I think they're going to force Goff into a few mistakes here. And I just think that, you know, if you're going cheap at defense, I don't think that there's a better choice uh, than the 49ers. Obviously, uh, there's some better ones that, that you'll get into uh, at a little bit of higher of a price tag. But, you know, if you're strapped, uh, there's You can do a lot worse than 49ers at 4,600 going against the Rams offense. It is just abysmal.
1: And you remember on opening night what happened between these two clubs. The, oh, my the God. Niners One of the worst games I've ever watched. I, I wish I didn't see that. They pitched a <laughs> shutout, so you're hoping for a repeat, I guess. And I turnovers to boot. Well, I am spending a little bit more, but only $400 more. I can't believe that that's the only disparity between New England and San Francisco because New England gets the matchup against the Jets for $5,000, and you know in our wednesday and thursday podcast i've been touting this game as the blowout of the week you teased it again earlier in this show the jets have turned the ball over a ton this season they're limping into foxborough with a four and ten record poised for what feels like their annual butt kicking i've seen too many of the games in this series wind up with big lopsided scores when they go to foxborough and i think this is just going to be another one Uh, it's going to be ugly but i think new england's defense will pay off big John, it's time for us to plug your DFS podcast that you do on the college side with Mario Puig. I've enjoyed it all season long, but now with the College Bowl season on upon us, it's critical for fans to, to have a listen. Uh, where can they find it, and uh, what can you tell about, about us about your next programs in that, in that vein, or are we done? Uh,
2: we are done for the regular season, but our our bowl podcast is still up. And it, you know, if you're in a if you're in a uh, confidence pool where you can still adjust your picks accordingly, uh, we have you covered there. We went through every single bowl game uh, last week. is an hour and a half long show. It's a, it's a doozy, but we, we you know we paid attention uh, to everything from that from that New Mexico Bowl, uh, UTSA versus New Mexico. Paid the same amount of time to that one as we did you know like the Alabama versus Washington playoff matchup. I mean we. And that's not to say that we didn't uh, spend a good bit of time on that one. It's it's really to say that we had uh, stuff to say about every single bowl game. Uh, so take a, take a look at that one. Uh, thus far, I'm 6-3 and three against the spread. I, I got upset last night uh, in that Colorado State game. I did not see Idaho putting up 60 on Colorado State the way that they did. So a little bit salty about that one. But otherwise, it's been pretty smooth sailing. Did call the Wyoming cover against BYU. So feeling good. Um, give it a listen so our, our picks have been pretty uh, solid thus far and I think it, you know like I said if, if you are still able to adjust your confidence bowl picks uh, that's definitely uh, worth, worth your listen even if it is an hour and a half long
1: and uh, it is good listening it's uh, get a cup of coffee have a have a dessert ready and uh, your checklist because these guys give give a lot of good information on these games I can attest to that John it's time for your pick of the day on this schedule
2: I'm going to go with Jordan Howard here. You know, 7,200. Uh, so n- not particularly expensive. Uh, he he could he could be your RB one this week if you wanted him to go with, with uh, if you wanted to pair him with with a guy that you mentioned, in Ty Montgomery. Uh, that'd be a very solid backfield uh, combo for your lineup here. Uh, Mario Puig himself actually. Uh, now that we mentioned the, the college football pod. Um, He tweeted out this week that he thinks that Jordan Howard is one of the best running backs he's seen this decade. And that's pretty telling because, I mean, that that guy watches more football than, you know, most people breathe. So, uh, I mean, he knows what he's talking about. I think Jordan Howard is running the ball about as well as any other running back in the league. I I love that matchup against the Redskins. I think he's going to be able to to just peel off a lot of chunk yardage, even if he only sees... 20 carries. I see him going for, you know, 100, 100 plus, 120 maybe. Uh, and He's going to get some catches out of the backfield as well. Um, Redskins, I know, are fighting for, the, for their playoff lives at this point. But the Bears have been excellent at playing kind of spoiler and given, giving uh, a scare to a lot of good teams here down the stretch, surprisingly. And I think that Howard has been a big reason why. And I think that he's going to be... Uh, Definitely a fixture in all of my lineups across all DFS sites this week.
1: All right, John, you've been peeking ahead at the script that I just put up. I picked Ty Montgomery of the Packers, so thanks for the shout out. I picked this guy up because he's impressed in the last few weeks, getting more of a role in this offense in the ground game. And as I highlighted, the Vikes' uh, run defense is not nearly as good as their pass defense. And yet, this price tag looks like a deep dis- discount on the guy with the. the Full set of skills that Montgomery will bring to the table. He'll get a few passes out of the backfield as well. And I think in the end, I expect a great return here and take advantage of the savings to spend up elsewhere. So I'm pretty happy about all that. Well, John, there you have it for you and I. Uh, it's time to wish our listeners happy holidays. So I'll give you a chance to give them a shout-out before I close out the show.
2: Yep, thanks for listening all season long. Uh, it's, been, it's been a great ride through the... Uh, you know, It's been really great to be working with you from from April with the baseball season up through you know, this entire NFL season, it's been, it's been a real honor to, to uh, do these podcasts with you every Friday, Paul. It's something I always look forward to, and I hope our listeners feel the same.
1: And uh, we're not done. We have another show or two uh, under our belts before we switch gears to basketball. I know I've been asked to continue along, and I hope, John, that you find it in your schedule to do so, because I'd love to continue this partnership. But if not, you and I will get together in the baseball season again, I'm sure. In Absolutely. any case, there you have it for John McKechnie who you can follow at Johnny McKex. I'm Paul Bruno, reminding you to follow me at Statsman22. We wish you good luck with your FanDuel picks. We also remind you that the next RotoWire wired BFS pod will be recorded on Wednesday with myself and James Seltzer at the controls due to the holiday schedule. In the interim, we wish you all a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, everybody.